You're listening to Stranger Still, a podcast about Netflix's Stranger Things and the wonderful weirdness of being alive. I'm Matt Zivico, and I will be your guide on this curiosity voyage beyond the material. In this episode of Stranger Still, we'll discuss Chapter 1, The Vanishing of Will Byers, examine the classic tropes the show sets up, and dig into our curiosity question. We're going to get metaphysical. All right, Zach, so we are here on not quite the inaugural episode of Stranger Still, but our first episode on an episode. Yeah, an actual actual episode episode. Exactly. So we're on episode one, The Vanishing of Will Byers, and we'll be making our way through all the episodes of season one in season one of Stranger Still. And uh, how about that opening scene? Yeah, I mean, it gets uh, it gets dark pretty quickly. But I think, uh, I don't know, I, I think the, the, the light shines through quickly as well. You obviously are introduced to the, the horror element pretty quickly. Uh, we have, you know, the, the, the very dramatic uh, chase scene right at the start. And you're introduced to the fact that there is an evil there, but we don't quite know what it is. I was a little unsure at the beginning with, uh, I was like, this is, this might be scarier than I, than I want it to be. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, r- right after, right after the title sequence, when we meet those kids, then I feel like that's when you know what kind of, what kind of story this really is. Yeah. Right. Right. And, uh, just, yeah, the, and I think that's what the first episode does so well is that juxtaposing that terror in the, in the lab mm. against the completely relatable kids in the basement playing right right it's it's what saves it from being simply simply a horror element to being something that you can relate that horror to i i think uh well i mean it's, it's something that's used in movies so often where you you have these parallel plot lines that merge you know you have the contrast of a horrific awful lab seething underneath the nostalgic beautiful idyllic neighborhood uh i i think of david lynch that's the first thing that comes to mind is twin peaks because the most common theme in twin peaks is you have this this beautiful picturesque little town and then you look underneath and oh my goodness is it seedy and and nasty and and horrific it's like lifting up the rock and having all those millipedes run it right right exactly that's terrifying. Yeah. That's a yeah. terrifying image. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I think Stranger Things does a great job at introducing those elements slowly. It doesn't push it too much. Um you know, we we start off with character introductions, which is insanely valuable. I mean, one of the first thing that strikes me about the first episode is how uh how the kids are introduced. They're introduced as nerdy little individuals who are just having fun in their basement playing a game. But the game has a lot of importance in how their characters are introduced. So they're not just playing a game, they're playing their roles already. Uh, yeah. But Yeah. I think that and I think that's that's a super important observation because the the show, especially in this first episode, we're introduced to pretty much everyone. Every character is introduced in this first episode. Well they they they're using tropes 
to make sure we understand who these people are. And uh, but the show goes ends up going beyond those. But it's uh, it's really fun to see how how they set things up in a very um, obvious way, I guess. Right. This group of nerds. Uh, you've got a jock. You've got who? I mean, let's let, let's go through them in, in any 1980s horror movie of which I'm very familiar with a lot of uh, you have any number of, of tropes that allows you to easily connect with a character. Usually this is, is an exaggerated element in the, in the movie to just kind of instantly connect you with the character rather than having to create any depth of character at all. Uh, so, I mean, even if you think of, um, of a classic horror film, like, like Halloween, uh, every other character except for Jamie Lee Curtis is just a ditzy blonde, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's all people who deserve to die. You know, they, you know, they're going to die because, the film wants them to die. Um, they're not yes, very interesting. Yes. But but the film inverts this idea because uh, they they make sure to point out the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis is wanting to be accepted. So what Stranger Things does with those ideas, I think is very similar. It, it takes the common trope, takes the jock, it takes the jock's relationship with a simple girl, Nancy. Uh, you have these two characters... Uh, and, and one is, you know, the, the douchebag Steve who everybody hates, everybody loves to hate, uh, because of his hair mainly, I, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I, did I hate him because of his hair at the beginning? Although speaking about subverting tropes, we'll, we'll definitely talk more about this, but I have a really hard time now whenever I introduce new people to stranger things. And we're watching the first couple episodes and people oh, yeah. are just hating on Steve and and I can't say anything and I just He's have just to got agree such with a them. punchable face. I mean <laughs> it, 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 and it, so so there's the trope, right? You've got the jock and the and the pretty girl at school, you know. And uh that's our introduction to those two characters. You have the the nerdy kids at school, the nerdy friends who are being bullied, play Dungeons and Dragons in their basement. You have dysfunctional families uh dad who doesn't care about his kids and a mom who's trying too hard that's pretty much every 1980s family ideal you know pretty much and what else you have you have a a dirty cop who doesn't really care about his job that much uh to much levels and and he really is just there to be there and escape from a reality that he lived out before and and I think what we mean by by dirty here is he's just a really kind of unsanitary person. Yes. Kind of unsanitary yes. person. Even, like, I think I think Hopper even like Hopper mm. is uh, he's, he's honest, he's but he's right. He's kind of burnt out and uh, right. Let's right, let right. himself go. Yeah. Brushing his teeth with his beer, <laughs> yeah. which is the perfect example. <laughs> but uh, dirty, yeah, meaning irresponsible and and uh, and not too up for the task. At least at the very very start, you know, he's just there to kind of coast, but. He's waking up out of some sort of stupor, right? But you see right off at the start, you know, he gets confronted with the reality of a situation. He leaps into action. And and this Mm -hmm. is an example of how his character's trope is inverted. He's not just a one-frame character. You don't just look through one window pane and understand exactly who he is, and that's it. They're not just surface-level characters. Um, As the episode moves on, well, you have... The clearest example, I think, is is with the friends. You know, this group of friends who are at the center of the plot. 
their situation is is turned on its head when one of their friends goes missing. And uh, it's a chance for those characters to be explored in a way that we saw them explored at the beginning of the episode when they're going through their Dungeons and Dragons game. And you have Lucas, who's a little too sure of what he wants to do. And you have Will, who is also sure but hesitant to take action. Uh, I think one of the most... uh, one of the most key elements to that scene at the very beginning with them is is that Will does cast fireball and it fails, you know. So we we see that the 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 contrast between wanting to take the lead and not being able to quite, you know. And then Lucas saying, "Well, we just need to go. We need to go," and not really thinking. He's just blindly moving forward. And it was that kind of push that led them to what inevitably would have failed the campaign if they hadn't lost the dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Uh... But it's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> foreshadow to how, you know, a, a good comparison is is the Lord of the Rings. You know, a fellowship gets together and when the wrong elements are there, it, it breaks apart. Or when the stress comes in, it breaks mm. apart. But we still have an element that remains and, and pushes through to the end. And that's, I mean, that, that's just a big reason why, I mean, a part of the reason why I like this show so much is that I identify with those kids because I feel like, on some level, even though I never played Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid, um, I identify with those kids because the way that they interpret their the things around them through through their game, and even just the world around them through yeah. references to the Lord of the Rings, uh, that's you know that's something that I did. That's something that I still do, and um, and there's just something very. Uh, yeah, just very very relatable about about that, and I think most of us do that. Whether it's fantasy and sci-fi or something else, uh, we do use these imaginary things in our lives to interpret the reality around us. It's either similar to an experience that from a story that we remember, or or we believe certain stories about how how life's supposed to go. Right? Um, what the what the responsible kid does and uh maybe yeah maybe he shouldn't have gone home alone on his bike that very 80s trope of of kids being uh Mm. not quite so supervised uh as they are today but at the same time well when you take those risks there's a lot of a lot of growing that happens a lot of opportunities that comes from from those as well uh, so risks, risks, and opportunities, and uh, Stranger Things deals with the the fallout of uh, right, of those, right, and of I, freedom, I think right? taking risks is a massive theme throughout the show. Um, you see, the boys learn when to take risks and when not to. There's risk and reward, and there's consequences when the risks are a little too much. Um, but also, you see their uh, their banding together in a way to not approach this from an individual perspective but to approach it from a from a team perspective i think uh and i think that uh the fact that mike comes off so soon as the leader of the group uh even right at the beginning with the symbolism of of him being the dungeon master uh you see his role take place but also you see him embrace that responsibility very quickly uh he has to calm lucas down when things happen or uh encourage uh Dustin to to actually move forward, you know, and it's it's a difficult tug and pull between them, but you see him take leadership, and 
there's an interesting parallel as well between him and Hopper that I won't go into quite yet, but I, mm -hmm. I think both of them have kind of similar uh, leadership qualities, but on different planes. Mm -hmm. And they're both running parallel towards towards L in, a, in their own particular ways. And I think that's, uh, yeah, that's something we'll talk about for the next episode, um, how the show it's it's about these kids but we've got these different groups of characters kind of exploring this mystery in parallel and uh and we'll definitely have some fun talking about that mm. yeah the last thing i wanted to to touch on before we before we go to our first little uh fun break but um the the way that the show takes these uh these familiar tropes yeah. right and like we said they don't uh, they don't leave them there though they're not these cardboard cutouts and like you were just saying about Mike, um, the sort of the the care that this kid has for his friends and then even just people that he meets, L, yeah. right, uh, at the end of the episode. And um, he's more than just this cardboard cutout of a, of a nerd um, who has, he's obviously a, a complicated character. And uh, and we see we see that uh, through the struggles within the group, and then uh, as they face bigger and bigger obstacles, uh, which is what makes the show so much fun. Because these kids have no business; they should have no business confronting um, some sort of government conspiracy. But that's what that's what makes yeah. it so much fun. Yeah. It uh, the show becomes like a game of Dungeons mm -hmm. and Dragons, where you go on an adventure that you have no business going on but you you inhabit this character and you are changed by by the experience and we see i think we see the kids um grow especially when we start we're going to start looking at uh, the differences between season one and season two there's some some interesting uh character development that goes on through yeah. the seasons so i thought what we could do before we move on to the more metaphysical part of the show is uh is Choose a character that we identify with the most and then verify it very scientifically with a BuzzFeed quiz. The most scientific of methods. The most. So uh, before we take the quiz and uh, see our results, uh, Zach, who do you think you are from Stranger Things? Who do you identify the most with? It's a tough question because there are really a lot of options. I mean, what I really hope I don't get is Joyce. Uh, not anything against Joyce in particular, but uh, it's just, I'm not that kind of person. I'd say I'm the opposite of Joyce. You don't want that kind of anxiety? No, no, I don't welcome that into my life. But I, I would say uh, picking the more relaxed, suave uh, Steve, and not saying that I am currently suave. Um, <laughs> I, I would say just because so much of, so much of this, the, the way I identify with the characters involves a, a high school feel, you know, like... Uh, I would say Steve is more who I was in high school. I was I was not exactly a, a likable person, but I tried very hard to be likable. Uh, so uh, Steve I, tries pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't have the hair, but I I had another element, which was a guitar. So you know, it it kind of had the same kind of uh, you know a, a attractive nature to it. It's it's worth noting that you just cut off your Steve hair. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I could have potentially had Steve hair, but I you know. I, I I never see an opportunity when it's laying in front of me, so I go. just grow that grow that back for Halloween. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So if we're going to say high school, um, it's oh, I think the truth is that I am 
probably most like Barb. <laughs> oh my! I think I want to. I want to identify with Mike. I feel like uh, we all want Mike. Yeah, we all want Mike I, and Hopper. I definitely identify with Mike, but if I'm thinking about how I actually was in <laughs> high school, um, it'd probably be Barb. I was a bit of a. I was usually the person when someone proposed some wild plan. I'd just be like, mm, "Nope, I uh, I have to study tonight," or that's not that's not a good idea. That's not safe. And uh, and I would just head home. So we early. wouldn't have gotten along. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. We're we're getting along right now, though. Yeah, so that, that works. That's that works. fine. Uh, so we'll uh, take a look at our results from this very very scientific buzz Buzzfeed quiz. And um, I have to say, I'm a little surprised. Not not upset, but I'm a little surprised with my result. What about you? I mean, after the rigorous test that we went through, um, you know, I'm more thinking about just the, the, the tiring process, the test tubes we had to fill out and the, <laughs> the, uh, much DNA yeah, testing. Yeah. Like all the, the in-depth uh, character analysis. Oh, I got, I got Steve. You got Steve? I got Steve. I'm not kidding. I'm looking at Steve's face right now. I got Dustin. <laughs> and you know what? When I think about the snacks, and the how he would drop just random facts about stuff. I may have been him when I was a kid. I watched a lot of Discovery Channel. Hey, it makes sense. And I would just drop random facts to people. <laughs> it didn't matter if they were interested or not. I'd just say like, you know what? I learned this today, and I'd like to tell you about it. Uh, so that's not uh, that's not far off, I guess. Man, people it's way may, funnier like, than this I am, description. Yes. People may look at you and think they know you, but you're a complex character, and you've got great hair. Really, and you just got a haircut today. Snap! How did they know? I this is this is this is kind of freaky to be honest. I think I need to I need to take a breather. <laughs> All right, so we will be right back. <laughs> hey, hometown heroes! What do you think of Strangers Still? New podcasts are like gremlins, except they live off ratings and reviews. Zach and I, on the other hand, eat people food. If you like what we're doing with Strangers Still. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash mattcivico and becoming a monthly patron. There are some cool rewards, like Zach's six synth music you're hearing right now, uh, or you can just help us by leaving a review on iTunes. Whatever you decide, we're just glad you're in our party. Over. So now we're going to get metaphysical a little bit. and uh... every I'm sorry just to interrupt, but every time you say that, all I can think of is the song... Uh... Let's get physical, physical. Well, that's that's exactly that's exactly why I did that. Oh, excellent. Okay, well, I, I, we need to do like a musical. Like, no, nah, no, we're not gonna do. Well, we can we can throw in a little musical montage, just a little. Of, uh, ba, ba, ba. You know. So in our our metaphysical moment for uh, for episode one. I think was is a really good frame for the whole series. Um, you know, the title, Stranger Things. And that just makes me think, you know, you have to ask the question, stranger than, than what? Uh, what are these stranger things? And of course, the, the episode starts with this strange happening at the lab. Um, obviously, something has gone wrong, terribly wrong. And, and then the rest of that episode becomes this exercise in 
presenting all of these normal, familiar things, these, these groups of kids, this small town cop, this single mom, this suburban family, and basically daring us to wonder what will happen when this stranger thing intrudes on all of these very unstrange uh, situations and, and people. Um, and I think the title itself, right, draws attention to the possibility of the extraordinary intruding on the ordinary. Yeah. And um, I think Joyce's conversation with Hopper uh, shows that perfectly when she says, what about the other time, right? The one when uh, Hopper is telling her this, the statistics. Such, an, such a natural motherly concern, you know. 99 times out of 100. The when a kid goes missing, he's with a parent or you know s- someone who who knows the kid. But what about that other time? Mm. And uh, and we're so we're so addicted to statistics today. I feel like we we make conclusions based on that. Well, ninety nine out of a hundred means that that's what happens all the time. Except that's not what that means. It means that there's a possibility for other outcomes, even if it's a very very small possibility. And uh, Zach, do you uh, do you like Shakespeare? Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, who doesn't like Shakespeare? So we're gonna Shakespeare's gonna help us get uh, get metaphysical. This made me think of a great line in Hamlet, um, a great line in Hamlet that uh, just fits perfectly with that idea. What about the other time, the one right, being open to the possibility of the extraordinary? And uh, and I'll read that read that for you now. It's when in Hamlet when uh, Horatio sees the ghost of uh, of Hamlet's father. So Horatio, O day and night, but this is wondrous and strange. Hamlet, and therefore as a stranger give it welcome. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. And it's that line, more things in heaven and earth, uh, that I think could easily be translated as there are stranger things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Uh, and you know, in Shakespeare's time, philosophy would have just been, you know, learning and knowledge in general. So uh, what we know through science, what we know through, um, through philosophy and then the study of reality. Uh, and so this idea that there are more things, stranger things, I think is what, uh, is what grabs me about the show. Yeah. I think, I think also well, in, in Shakespeare, you know, in, in Hamlet, Horatio is, confronting this new reality this this wondrous strange it's wonderful but it's it's odd it's it's horrifying but it's incredible mm-hmm. and i think you say you see it's, it's a good parallel because you see the same kind of emotions coming out with the kids uh especially confronting their first stranger thing which is l the confrontation is very it's funny because it's very human but it's also uh very inhuman because they slowly start to realize what her capacities are um mm. the the human element i mean the most obvious one you know they're they're in the basement and they give her clothes to change into and she starts just changing in front of them and dustin goes crazy he's like, oh whoa, whoa she's she was just gonna <laughs> you know and, he, and uh they're they're confronting the reality of this being even the opposite sex from them you know it's mysterious it's very other (laughs) yes 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 you just hang out with guys you know guys your age and your group of friends and that's it and you gotta avoid the cooties yes yeah 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 totally 
and so it's it's automatically the and that's what I really like about this show is that it texturizes the surreal with the real. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have very real strangeness that we all can relate to uh, growing up and and wondering about you know what is how does how do girls react how do guys react like you know this is so weird. And at the end of the episode when they're going out they're going out to look for Will right their friend is missing. Uh, and as it is, that that's a believable, possible outcome, right? They go into the forest looking for their friend. Um, if you were thinking about what was most likely, you know, they probably, this was real life, might stumble upon his body, right? Something terrible has happened. Uh, or they might find him. Maybe he's lost in the woods somewhere. Yeah. But they go out looking for this kid, and they find another kid, um, and... And then that's when things really start not going off the rails, but uh, you know the 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 stranger things are now starting to intrude on the the fairly normal lives of of our, these characters, these kids, and uh, and then we see how it sort of spreads through the through the next couple episodes. Yeah, and and I think what we talked about earlier comes in importantly in this is that uh, the very relatable tropes that we encounter uh, prepare us to be shocked by the stranger things. You know, we're a bit surprised that L is nothing more than, uh, or, or isn't nothing more than, than a normal girl because we've been introduced to, sure, there was a, a foreshadowing of something weird, but the connection between her and that is, is unclear. And then we get shocked genuinely by the fact that she has this ability to, to move things with her mind. And we lost one kid and we found another. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's episode one, right? The vanishing of Will Byers. And, uh, next time, next episode, we'll look at, uh, the second episode of season one, the weirdo on Maple street. We have, haven't really talked a whole lot about L, but we'll certainly get, uh, get into that because she is the weirdo on Maple street. Yeah. That's, uh, that's it for stranger still. Episode 1. Thanks for listening to Stranger Still. Join us next time for Chapter 2, The Weirdo on Maple Street. If you like what you heard, tell someone. You can tell me at Matt Civico on Twitter, tell iTunes with a rating or review, or you can tell a friend. These friends are the best. Remember, friends don't lie. Over and out.